Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. This week, we are talking to Pete Wagner of Wagner Custom Skis. We've had Pete on the podcast once before to participate in our roundtable conversation on custom ski building. You can check out Blister Podcast episode number 33 for that conversation. But this time, we went on location to Telluride to check out Pete's truly remarkable factory that's right in the heart of Mountain Village. It's an incredible space. We've never seen a ski factory quite like it, and you ought to go check it out for yourself. For now, however, you can take a look at some photos that we included in the show notes to this episode on our site. I talked to Pete this time about why the current indie ski scene is so confusing, the unique connection that Wagner Skis has with Telluride, and then we get into a bit of ski construction nerdery, where I ask Pete to talk a bit about wood cores, new construction materials, and whether he's impressed with what he's seeing on that front. We then wrap up by discussing some of the challenges that a small ski builder faces today and what aspect of the Wagner ski building process that Pete is most proud of. This episode of the Blister Podcast is presented by the Mountain Collective. There are a number of multi-resort ski passes out there, but in our humble opinion, the Mountain Collective Pass is unrivaled when it comes to the incredible number of world-class ski areas that are included in this collection. With the Mountain Collective Pass, you get two days at Jackson Hole and two days each at Snowbird, Squaw, Aspen, Alta, Revelstoke, Mammoth, Sugarbush, Taos, and more. And then you can get all your additional days at each Mountain Collective destination for 50% off. Check out the whole list of Mountain Collective ski areas at mountaincollective.com And even better, there are no blackout dates, so you can go ride where you want, when you want. In our view, this is by far the best collection of ski areas in the world, and it includes so many of the places where we most want to ski and where we do ski. So again, go to mountaincollective.com to learn more and to pick up your pass today. So a couple of weeks ago, we posted uh, a question from a blister reader that was basically asking the question of, you have these big ski companies out there, you have these smaller ski companies out there, who's building better skis? And in some of the conversations I've had with you, Pete, the your answer to this is like, it's pretty confusing. The landscape is pretty confusing. And so I'd love to hear you speak a bit more to that what's so confusing about this i think the the landscape of ski manufacturing today is that you still have major factories that have been building skis for a long time and those factories are really good at building high quality skis i would call them potentially the major brands or the major factories then we've got independent brands which I would say are the brands that fall outside of kind of the old guard of ski companies. And the indie brands can be companies that make the skis in their own factories. You'll often see some of these brands and you go to different ski towns uh, or different locations 
around North America, it's happening in Europe too. They're usually smaller factories and smaller crew of team doing smaller volumes. And those are companies that I would say build their own skis themselves. And then you also have a subset of indie brands that are hiring other larger factories to do their manufacturing. And there are pros and cons to both types of whether you build the skis yourself or you're outsourcing that. And I think it ultimately comes down to how good of a job are these companies doing on the design side and then making sure the product is getting built with attention to detail and being a nice refined product when it when it gets to the to the user to the skier. Hmm. So with Wagner skis in your experience as the customers that are coming uh, to speak to you guys are I mean maybe you've already answered this but what what elements do they seem to be most interested in? Are they coming to you because they're like, this is so cool, everything is made right here in Telluride, like literally, you know, feet from the chairlift. Um, So is it about like, we want this Colorado, this made in the USA? Is it about the, we want the customization? What are the elements that you're seeing day to day from potential customers? With our brand, the, the number one thing is we're selling skis to people that want their equipment dialed in for them, first and foremost. And our focus is really on determining what your perfect fit is going to be. And it's kind of like working with a great boot fitter, making sure that everything is comfortable and improves your balance and makes skiing easier and more fun. Really, getting your equipment dialed in is the number one thing. I think where our skis are made uh, is secondary. I think it's a, it's a nice thing. I think it's, we're really proud of the fact that we're building our skis right by the chairlifts in Telluride. And I think we're very proud that we're making our skis in Colorado and in the United States. And, and the people that are touching the skis that are building and doing the design work, they all live in the mountains and we're really into it. And I think that that love shows in the final product but i think that for the people that are buying their skis i think getting a really good ski that you're gonna have fun on and is dialed in for you that's number one of Mm -hmm. in terms of what we're seeing and and what our customers are interested in the the new shop um it really is amazing i mean we were we've been hanging out in there uh yesterday and we'll be back in there today and we will have um in the show notes to this podcast we'll have some photos up of the shop um but i have i personally haven't seen anything like it in the united states at least there you know and i really we've been i've been trying to rack my brain around what other company literally has like is building skis like it is a full factory. It is not just some storefront um, that is literally a few feet from from the chairlift right in the mountain village of, of Telluride Ski Resort. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. When did you guys move into that location? Um, and again, check out some of the photos of this because I doubt if you're listening to this, you really understand how central 
Wagner skis is to that mountain village area of Telluride. So a little a little background on on Wagner Custom Skis. We started in 2006. We opened up a factory in Placerville, which is downstream from the town of Telluride, about uh, 12 miles. And immediately, we were incredibly lucky to have a great community here in Telluride that really embraced us. It started as just people that were willing to take the risk of buying our skis when we hadn't built many. Uh, it, it falls into just having a great uh, group of people that came and formed our team who've, who are designers and ski builders and, and you know, really who our company is. And then it's also our local uh, government and business community really supported us and got behind us and tried to remove barriers for us to be able to set up shop and just, just make things easy. After several years, we had bust, we, we found ourselves busting out of the seams in our old shop. We needed a bigger space. And being in a remote mountain community, there's not a lot of real estate that's zoned industrial. And we were, again, lucky that our community, um, the, the owner and the CEO of the Telluride Ski Resort, they stepped up and offered us a space that they've got right, right in the Mountain Village core. And it's a property that they own and they, they helped us figure out a way to make it work, which was amazing because it allowed us to go into a bigger shop, get more manufacturing equipment and be in this really centralized location where we could set it up pretty theatrically. People from the outside can look in and see us building the skis. You can come in and we get more FaceTime and the ability to interact with people face-to-face. We're still mainly an internet business, but because of the support that we've gotten from our community and businesses and government, they really made it easy for us to just slide right into this this uh, this incredible space. And it's really a credit to the Telluride Ski Resort of supporting us and, and getting us uh, a... Uh, a space that we could afford that is bigger and is allowing us to, to continue to grow. Yeah. It, it, it is incredibly cool. Um, and I also, I've been to a lot of ski areas and walked around a lot of ski towns and I, I've never quite seen the connection that when you're walking through the town of Telluride and certainly when you're on the mountain, Wagner skis is so tied into this place. Um, there might be one or two kind of close, um, close examples to that, but it's quite unique. And, um, and then if you are in Telluride now, I mean, if you're skiing Telluride, you're going to walk pretty much right past the shop. You almost have to. And so I think for those of you heading this direction, it's easy. You can stop in, take a look, see the people building skis right there. Um, Go meet Pete. He'd be happy to talk to you. We talked about, you know, we had you on this previous podcast we did back in February where we were talking about custom skis um, and people should go listen to that. Um, But I wanted to talk like nerd out for a minute and talk a bit about different cores and different materials in general. And Cores is something, and by which we mean sort of wood cores, is something that some skiers 
talk about, think about a little bit. Other people, I think a lot of us, don't have a clue in terms of, well, what's the performance difference of an aspen versus a maple versus an ash, that kind of a thing. So from your point of view, you work with a bunch of different core materials. Talk to me a little bit about what you think uh, passionate skiers ought to know about the differences between core materials. Does it matter? So on and so forth. From from a basic level, I think the the core of the ski sets the foundation of what what the feel of the ski will be, what what its dampening characteristics and its and its weight will be. And it's really the combination of the core and the structural layer. The structural layer could be something like fiberglass or carbon fiber or tetanol. And it's the combination of that core and the structural layers that ultimately are going to give the ski certain vibrational characteristics, weight, and and really affect the performance. So wood cores, um, some woods are lightweight, some woods are heavy, some have short grain structures, some have long grain structures. They have different uh, vibrational frequencies. So all of these characteristics go into into telling us, you know, what what is going to be an appropriate core for a given skier. Um, the structural layers like fiberglass, carbon fiber, tetanol, those, those also affect uh, the mechanical properties of the skis, how it's going to feel. So a lot of what we do is we look at, we try to get feedback on, on equipment that people have been on in the past and maybe what you've liked and disliked, that will often reveal what kind of core and structural layer that's going to be most appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, feedback. One of the things to pay attention to on the skis that you're trying or interested in is definitely look at those materials. Look at material, you know, try to figure out what the materials were on the skis that you've liked historically. And that will start to give you clues about what kind of combination of wood cores and structural layers, you know, are going to be appropriate for you moving forward. The type of ski actually plays a big effect on that as well, right? Are you looking for something that's a touring ski? You're going to be using it uphill. Does it need to be really good in uh, a more maritime snowpack with its choppier snow? Um, are you using it on you know hard snow, skiing super fast? All of those factors are going to help you figure out what the right material combination is. So do you care to give some general advice on that? Like, okay, let's say I do live in a very maritime snowpack, denser snow. Um, What what are the ways that I might want to start thinking about? What what might I want to steer away from? What might I want to be inclined to look for? So if, generally speaking, if you're in a place that has a wetter, heavier snowpack, you're probably going to want a ski construction that has more power that allow you to plow through and slice through that variable snow. So in that case, lightweight is not necessarily your friend. You're gonna want something that's torsionally stiff, has good dampness, and it's probably okay if the ski has more mass. So that would push you towards potentially a type of core that could have more mass or weight to it as opposed to something super light. So maybe something with sugar maple or white ash or heavier wood and that would be combining it with a lighter structural layer like a fiberglass or carbon fiber. 
You could also use a lightweight wood core with a heavier, more powerful structural layer like tetanol, and that could give you a, a similar type of performance of good torsional stiffness, good power, the ability to really handle you know, sun and wind crust and more choppy, challenging snow. Mm-hmm. So let's make bad generalizations, say, about the East Coast. And, and again, I say generalizations because people sometimes act like people only ski ice on the East Coast and then like only ski powder out West, which is like stupid. But so, but if we're really concerned about very hard bulletproof conditions, what would your sort of general, and again, you know, we're just talking in generalizations here, but what would you sort of steer people toward or get them thinking a bit about in terms of cores and material combinations? Sure. So if you're skiing on hard, icy snow conditions, look at the materials that they put in in nice race skis. It's usually uh, a hardwood type of wood core, something that has some mass to it. And then it's something that has uh, really good torsional stiffness and good vibration dampening, which tetanol is pretty much for race skis. That's, that's the go-to structural material. So if hard snow ice, if you want power and precision, heavier materials, high torsional stiffness. So we would make something that would potentially be a sugar maple and white ash wood core. That's two hardwoods. It has really good liveliness to it, which means it's going to have some good pop and energy and will hold its camber, really maintain that for a lot of usage. And then tetanol for the structural layers, which is going to give the skis Good precision when you put it on edge and good power if you get into any kind of choppy snow, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the playbook for making racing skis. You know, they've been doing that. They've been doing it. The big factories have been doing a great job at that for the last 40 years using these same types of materials. Yeah. So we're starting to see a trend where companies are trying to lighten up their inbounds stuff. Again, given how many different materials you guys work with on a day-to-day basis at Wagner, are you impressed with, with given where materials are today, are you impressed with, we are still, we are getting strong materials that are significantly saving weight? Or are you, I mean, you just got done talking about if you're skiing ice and really firm snow, stick to kind of race constructions. So what do we make of all the new kind of advertising claims um, of some of these new lighter materials that are supposed to be so strong, et cetera? Do you, you, are you seeing that? I think the lightweight story in skis is a good marketing story. Lightweight is not necessarily a good thing when you're skiing downhill. So for a ski, if you're doing ski touring, you're going uphill, lightweight, it helps. It helps with efficiency. In theory, lightweight means a ski that's more maneuverable, especially in tighter terrain, you know, trees, bumps, um, any kind of technical skiing. So I think that it depends on your skiing style. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're someone who is really light on your feet and you like to, you know, you like to be uh, making quicker turns and more turns and skiing more technical terrain a lighter weight construction can be good. If you're someone who likes to ski with more fluidity and power, 
Um, having mass in your ski is a good thing for going downhill. It really allows you to let the skis do more of the work. You can plow through challenging snow. You think about skiing in crust or you know chop. Having mass on your skis and, and power, that's good. So it, it's not like bikes or golf clubs or tennis rackets where lighter is necessarily a great thing. Um, and lightweight's not necessarily a new thing. I mean, in the 70s, there was like Hexel, which was making honeycomb skis that were super light and they were super stiff. And those didn't stand the test of time because they weren't designed well. So I, I would say the same thing is true with lightweight materials nowadays. Uh, there are good lightweight skis out there and it's because they have the right stiffness and flex pattern and geometry that makes all of those combination of materials and design components work well for a ski that is you know, forgiving when it needs to be, but still has good stability when you're skiing fast. But lightweight is not necessarily a great thing for resort skiing. Yeah. And it's really... Design by design, you know, some designs are better than others. Given, so the way this works, and Pete talked about this a bit on the last podcast we did uh, about Wagner Ski's customization process, but a very quick and dirty version of this, which you feel free to redo this, but essentially you get into a conversation with a prospective customer, right? What kind of ski are you looking for? What kind of skis have you enjoyed in the past? Are you finding, say out of 10 customers that you're speaking with, are you seeing more of an emphasis? Are they, are are customers, people actually buying skis, are they coming and saying, I'm really concerned about the weight thing. I really want lightweight. I love lightweight. Is that, is that different than it used to be? Is it about the same? I think that, so the the way that our process works, yeah, you go to wagnerskis.com fill out an online questionnaire. Then the next component is you have a, a, a consultation with one of our ski designers, which you can do over the phone or Skype or come in in person. And during that process, yeah, we talk about uh, what we call your skier DNA. You know, where, you've, where you ski, terrain preferences, sort of a mission statement for the ski, and feedback on past equipment is a big part of it. We definitely talk to a lot of people where they're asking about the weight, they're counting grams. You know, we're, we definitely are seeing more of that. And it might just be because that's, there's more data available on the internet and from the other brands. And, and for people that are ski touring or mountaineering applications, that's definitely, it's definitely very, very important. Um, so I would say it depends on who the skier is. If it is a touring ski, and especially if you're doing long ski tours, it makes a lot of sense. That's totally. really important. <clears throat> totally. If it's more for a resort ski, it's the conversation we often have is what's 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 more what's most important for you with this ski? Is it um, you know is it the performance going downhill sometimes people will be coming off an injury yep. knee hip surgery something like that and us actually reducing the swing weight and trying to reduce yep. torque on their body is really important yeah. so we'll get into that and i think there is a more more uh, awareness of weight in skis but i think the the important thing for people to ask themselves is 
do I really want a ski that's lightweight or do I want something that is going to ski really great for me on the downhill? And, you know, even for people that are skiing in the backcountry and, and doing long ski tours, we'll often find that people are willing to make a trade-off of having better performance, especially if you know you're going to get into, you know, sun and wind crust and more variable snow, yep. they'd rather have a ski that can handle that better than something that's really optimized for lightweight going going on the uphill. Yeah. So just to be clear and make sure I'm clear, my my question was primarily, are you seeing, since you, since you started, you know, Wagner Skis started making skis and selling skis to consumers back in 2006, are you seeing your own kind of customer base change or prioritize lightweight more? Or would you say, eh, some people do, some people don't. It looks pretty much the same as it has been since 2006. You know, I think that we saw an increase and it's plateaued and it might even be going downhill at this point in terms of people asking specifically about weight and that being of prime concern. And I don't know necessarily what's driving that, but I think that there was probably just from the data available on other skis and that, that kind of information being published, it's just another data point that people are talking about. So I'd say that since we started that awareness has increased, but I haven't, I've, I've maybe seen that plateau. Hmm. Interesting. And how many, what's the kind of breakdown with Wagner skis? Are you, are you guys building more touring skis these days? I would presume the answer is yes, but are you still, is it a kind of dominant lift access downhill? Who, what kind of skis are you guys building in the, in the different categories? Um, so we build custom skis designed for the individual and we have about a hundred different material combination that really allows us to dial things in from really ultralight skis. We had one of our customers, um, brought his skis up on Everest. He summited huh. this past spring and he didn't ski from the top, but he brought them all up to advanced base camp and, wow. you know, he was using them up there to, you know, people that are really focusing on, you know, hard, hard snow skiing. Cause that's what they get where they live in the, you know, in the, in, in Vermont. So, um, in terms of, um, ski touring, you know, it really just depends on where people are. I would say, yes, that, that continues to rise. And I would probably attribute it to just, you know, AT bindings, just yeah. getting better and better in yeah. the boot technology being better. And so we're seeing, we're definitely seeing more people on boots, tech boots specifically, and then that's opening up us making more skis that are using, you know, various tech bindings. So that trend is definitely going up in terms of us making touring skis. And also for, I would say just across the board, we're seeing more people getting into the uphill aspects of skiing, which is cool because it's a great, it's great, you know, exercise component as well as it's often a better experience for people you know? Yeah. So in 11 years of doing Wagner skis, um, you were mentioning earlier, I mean, sounds like the trajectory has been good. Um, 
you're building more skis every year, selling more skis every year, just moved into this um, very visible and prominent factory spot up in Mountain Village. Um, so that stuff all looks really good, uh, at least from where I sit. What are some of the interesting things, either business challenges um, that you guys have kind of gone through and survived or are currently seeing? What What are the kinds of interesting things you're seeing as somebody who's been building and selling skis for 11 years? Um, so when... When we started our business, it was very, very difficult to just get established. And there was several unforeseen things that allowed us to stay in business right off the bat, just from us selling skis to unanticipated people and businesses that kept us going. When Our challenge has always been really just brand awareness. As a small company, how do you compete against these multinational corporations? So we've had to be really scrappy and just our approach has been we work really hard to try to build a great ski for everybody and we guarantee it and we follow up and we, we really put a lot of energy into every ski that we build. And then that's created word of mouth growth. When you start really small, we've had nice, consistent, organic growth year after year, and that's been really encouraging. And we're our challenges are one awareness when someone wants to buy a skis why would they think of us this small custom ski manufacturer how do we get on their on a person's radar when it's time for them to buy a ski the second challenge that we have is a lot of ski buyers uh, they go the the channels that they go through to buy skis don't necessarily support working directly with a factory like us People will often uh, do online research, buyer's guides, do some fundamental research. They'll often go and demo skis at shops. That doesn't really fit into going direct to a company and talking with a ski designer and just buying direct. So there's there has been an, an inherent barrier based on just the behavior of skiers and how people are accustomed to buying skis. And we're really putting a lot of effort into just trying to make that entire ski buying process really simple for people. They can go to our website, you talk directly with one of our designers, we will figure out what your perfect ski is going to be, we make this process super easy, we build the ski for you, we'll mount the binding, ship everything out to you so it's ready to drop on the snow and go and we think it's a really smart way to buy skis. We think that, you know, regardless of where you live in the world, we can help you get into the right equipment, but it's a different process that people aren't used to. And that's a big challenge for us trying to break in into that. Hmm. Are there factors these days that make this an easier time now for Wagner skis to do this as opposed to 10 years ago? Um, or is it just whatever, grind every day, do your thing, grow awareness? Um, I don't know. Do you, see, do you see certain, whether the internet has been a positive thing or a negative thing or um, other consumer trends, what's your take on the sort of climate or environment for trying to do what you guys are doing? 
It's been really encouraging for us. I think that there's been several factors that are supporting what we're doing. Uh, clearly, the internet supports us because we're not just trying to sell skis to locals around Telluride. Really, we've, we sell skis to people all over the world. Another trend that has really helped us is the rise of independent ski companies. Because there, there are now lots of small ski brands, and there's lots of small ski brands that are doing a great job. And because of that, it's created an awareness for more and more people that you don't have to buy a ski from one of the big factories. There are actually small brands, independent brands. A lot of times it's you know small companies that are built, designing and building the skis themselves that are putting out a great product. And that has definitely helped our business just from an awareness standpoint for people that they realize they can get a really great ski from a smaller company. And then another trend that we've seen is that, you know, I think that when post 2008, when the economy got bad, I think that people started being more thoughtful about the products that they're buying. And for our business, and, I, and we, see it, we see it in other realms. I mean, we're seeing things like craft beer rise. But another tr- trend, and I think that we fall into this, is people want to know more about the products that they're buying, and they want to support companies whose values they support and align with. And maybe the analogy is you might go and buy your produce at a farmer's market, and you have a relationship with these people that are growing your food, and you want to support that and our business fits into that category where people now realize they don't have to buy a ski that's made in china they can support a you know a small team of of people that are really passionate about skiing in the mountains and they're really putting themselves into building these products and trying to share that stoke with people and we're fitting into that and it's it's sort of like that farmer's market analogy. That's another big one that's supporting us. So overall, you know, I think that the trends of people being more comfortable with buying things through the internet, as well as the rise of indie brands and just wanting to support businesses that, uh, where you know the people that are doing the work and you can really see where your product comes from, that's, that's definitely helping us. Hmm. Um, wrapping up, and maybe moving back to um, some of the actual building process, what are one or two of the top things that you are most proud of uh, in terms of how you guys are building skis or what the new shop you know, is allowing you to do? Yeah, I think the big thing for us is, and what really separates us in the industry is our design development process. So the large factories will typically take about two years from going from an initial product concept to bringing it to market. The way that that process usually works is you come up with an idea, you build a prototype, you test it, you go back, you build more prototypes, test it, continue to make refinements, then get it out on snow to probably more people, then you can take it to ski shows, get it out on snow demos, take orders, deliver to the shop two years later. Our approach is very different. And we, this was something I learned as an engineer in the golf industry, which is uh, 
If you take someone through a fitting system, you can get the feedback up, pr up front, you can create a successful design. And our process involves, we take you through a fitting system, we'll create a design based on your feedback on other equipment, and then we'll design and build you a ski. So our ski design development process is about two weeks. Last year, we built over 1,500 successful designs that way. So for a, lot of, for a lot of people might say that's a scary way of doing business because every ski is unique and it's a one-off, but we really believe in this design development process and we've seen great success for that. And I think that's what I'm most proud of at this point. Hmm. Yeah. And so 1,500 unique designs and you have a full guarantee which you might recall me about passing out when we were talking about that on the last podcast. So I buy this ski from you, and if I'm not happy in terms of how it's performing for whatever reason, you guys are going to tweak that design and build another ski. Do I have this right? Or? Yeah, full refund or full rebuild. Full refund or full rebuild. Yeah, that's insane to me. So, and... And obviously, I mean, out of the 1,500 um, or so, I mean, I guess that's the real brass tax question about, well, how successful is the system is, did you end up with, you know, some um, close to 1,500 people who were happy, right? Yeah, because we actually had less than 10 skis that we rebuilt or refunded for people. Wow. And for us, it's really just about creating a good experience for people. You know, if you go through our process, you work with one of our designers, then you'll work with our graphic designer and get the graphic set up, and then you'll get updates from our production manager as we're building your skis, and then we follow up and make sure everything's cool. And if it's not, we'll take care of it. You know, really, we want it to be a great experience for you. And then it goes beyond that. You know, after you've skied the skis, we encourage at the end of the year, you send them back to the factory and we inspect them, we'll put the factory tune back on them, buff out the top sheets. So it's really about having a relationship with our customers. And we're, we think of it as we're basically your dedicated engineering team, making sure your skis are dialed in for you and you're happy when you're out skiing. Well, cool. Well, I think we will leave it there. Come see us in Telluride. Telluride is a, it's great skiing, great mountain. And We'd love to uh, to say hi to you, and we'll show you show you our production facility and show you some of our skis. So yeah, come see us. And again, we'll we'll try to get a couple photos of the of the shop put up on the site. But truly, given the absurd location of the shop right next to the chairlift, if you're coming this way, like you have to stop in and take a look. It's it's a it's a very cool and it's a very unique setup. So. Um, well, cool. Well, thanks, and um, we'll talk to you again sometime soon, I'm sure. Thanks. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Pete Wagner for the conversation, and you can learn more about the Wagner custom process at wagnerskis.com. And thanks also, and as always, to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob. Till next time, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, and don't forget to go to mountaincollective.com to check out all the Mountain Collective destinations and to grab your pass today. Thanks, and we will talk to you next time.